Hello, my sexy listener. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Now, here's the thing. I love that you're here listening to my podcast, but I actually moved to a new channel. Uh, It's complicated and I won't really get into it, but I chose not to use Anchor as my host anymore. And I am using a new host. There are more episodes on the new channel. You can search for Confidential Chaos um, wherever you listen and it'll be there. So don't listen to this one. Well, you can listen to this one, but I'm going to delete it soon. So just make sure you're subscribed to the new channel so you can see all the updated episodes. There um, are almost 20. So make sure you subscribe to the new channel. And you can listen here if you'd like, but it won't always be here. All of the episodes on this channel are on the new channel. And how many times can I say channel? In one minute. All right. Go subscribe. You can also go, excuse me, you can also find the link to the new channel in the description of this podcast. All right. I will see you there. I got to thinking about um, how many guys do you know that are just like, yeah, shove it up my butt? <laughs> how many guys do you know that are super fucking weird about anal or right. butt stuff or anything right. being inside the, a finger? Mm-hmm. gonna go all right hey guys welcome back to another episode of confidential chaos the podcast where we have kind of conversations about whatever the fuck we want to talk about real life shit you know um i first want to start out with everyone that showed support to jess dyer from last week's episode that has so far been the most successful episode of this podcast and jess and i have been talking all week and I'm just a, just really overwhelmed at the support you guys have shown her and how open and honest she was. I really think that reading the support that she's gotten has made me realize that what the point of this podcast is. And it's really been eye-opening to me to read through these messages and hear people resonate with her story and resonate with her talk about being the fat kid and resonate with um, her talking about dating and what that's been like for her. So first of all, thank you to everyone that has shown Jess all the support and love. That is the fucking point. Also, um, my phone's going off. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe. And leave a rating or review. It really means a lot to me. I really appreciate your guys' feedback. Um, If you're having trouble subscribing or trouble leaving a rating or review, please DM me on Instagram at NormaJeanCC. I know a couple people wrote me a message to let me know that they couldn't on the platform they listened to. And I helped you out with that. So um, this week, I uh, have a guest. Another guest. And... um, I don't know how to introduce you. We're just going to, I'm just going to make it up, I guess. Oh. I've known this young lady. You can be honest. <laughs> I've known this young woman, this beautiful young woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, about a year now? Uh, more than that. No, it's been longer, right? Yeah. About two September of 2017. Okay, yes. 
Oh my god, my life is flying by. I know. <laughs> Same. We're gonna be dead in like two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> so I um I met Erica at a bar at downtown Ashland. If you're from here, you know where downtown Ashland is. And if you're not from here, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, NJ? <laughs> but Ashland, uh, I met her at a bar and um we I just feel like I was like hit it off with you right away if if there was ever a like the connection you have with someone that that you want to date like that was the kind of connection I had with you right away mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would agree and our so she met um the first was it the first did you stay the night at my apartment the that first night the n- day after the, okay the day after because I came to see open mic right you perform yeah <laughs> right. so I met Erica on a Saturday night. And then the following night, she came out to see me perform at an open mic. Like, who does that? What stranger's like, I'm going to go see this random girl I met at a bar. (laughs) But then you sang open mic. I did. Because you're fucking savage. Mm -hmm. She's so, you're, um, you're so, like, open. I feel like you just don't care. Thank you. Um, I, can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. Because I used to care a whole lot. But really? then I moved across the country by myself and I kind of had the opportunity to just be whoever the fuck I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I guess so. Maybe that's why I should move away. But um, that makes sense because when I first started singing open mics, I would not invite anyone I knew. Mm-hmm. And when I told people that I knew that I was doing it, they were like, why the fuck aren't you? Why, why, why didn't you invite me? And I'm like, I don't want you there. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's even a little, I'm more used to it now, but when people from my real life started coming to my trivia show, mm-hmm. it's always a, just a little different. I'm a, I feel like I'm a, slightly off Yeah, because it's worlds colliding. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to be a stranger. Yeah. Do you feel like you're more yourself when you're a stranger? Or is it? Hmm. I think it depends on the context. Yeah. In some, in some situations, but what does that really mean? Yourself, you know, we, you have so many Mm -hmm. different versions of yourself. That's true. And maybe you're just one way with a certain group of friends and then another way with another group of friends. Exactly. But anyway, we met and then you came to my open mic the next day. And I remember, um, I remember you leaving my house cause we, uh, we were with two other people. And we had, <laughs> uh, I remember you leaving my house the next morning and I think I took your number the night before. I took your number at vinyl. Yeah. The night. Yeah. yeah we took a picture the night we met. I have that picture on my phone still. Did we? Mm-hmm. Every time you call me, it shows up. I want to see that. <laughs> I don't think I know what picture this is. Yep. It comes up because uh, I told you to put my number on my phone and then it asks you to take a picture or to add a contact icon and you just snapped a picture right there. I remember doing that with the other person we were with that night. You did it with me too. Oh, I didn't know. And so that comes up every time and I'm wearing a hat and I just look like the scrubbiest human. fucking hat. I know. (laughs) You had this long ass braid and a backwards (laughs) baseball cap. I was like, I want to be friends with that girl (laughs) in the club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sounds like me yeah that's what i was wearing mm-hmm. and then but i remember the i don't i don't want to i don't want to identify him but the person i was out with that night was just like what the fuck are you wearing <laughs> <laughs> before we went out him and his friend were like coordinating outfits all night 
And yeah. Really? No, no. Because yeah. he was wearing that fucking flannel and it was like 80 degrees that day. And that was my first thing. When I saw him, I was like, oh, he's cute, but he's wearing a flannel at the club and it was 80 today. So that's weird. <laughs> and then I mentioned it a couple weeks later and you were like, that's funny because he was really self-conscious because yes. you had been camping or something. Well, he had been camping with his friend. Yeah. And then they met me back at my house or my apartment at the time, but he still lived, you know, yeah. uh, 45 minutes away or whatever. So he, him and the guy he was with, they were like exchanging outfits, trying to decide what they were going to wear that Are night. You serious? Yes. <laughs> and the guy, oh the guy that they were with was from out of town, you know? So he, him and, you know, this other guy were exchanging outfits and I'm just wearing a fucking ball cap. I didn't know boys did that, honestly. Yeah, yeah they do. And I'm just, you know, wearing a ball cap in my apartment, like waiting for these boys to get dressed. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You so can leave. Oh my God. Yeah. And then anyway, I took your number that night and then I, and then I remember you leaving the next morning and I just remember thinking like, I need, I need to be friends with this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've been such great friends ever since. Um, so anyway, last week I texted you then a, a podcast and I said I used your name in a text message. I said you have to listen to this because mm-hmm. I had I had started listening to it and the podcast is called well um, is originally wait I'm spacing the name the first the second one the review of it right in the know is the mini series within Radio Lab so Radio yep. Lab did a three episode series called in the know no yes and. But they played excerpts from and interviewed the maker of The Heart. Yeah, Caitlin Prest. Caitlin Prest. And it was a four-part series of The Heart that she... And The Heart's through Radiotopia, this wild web of podcasts. (laughs) Radiotopia is The Heart. um, What was it called? Just No. Just No. No. And then it was a four-part series that she did. Yeah. So someone had sent it to me. Oddly enough, it was someone that uh, I dated. Someone sent it to me, and he. Uh, <laughs> we're whispering who it was. <laughs> She's like, "Wait, you didn't tell me that part." <laughs> he sent it to me, and he goes, oh, "It's a bit of a heavy listen, but you should listen to it." I was laying in bed. This is last Sunday. I was laying in bed, and I just started playing it. And like three minutes in, mm-hmm. I ended up laying in bed for the whole first episode because I was so intrigued by it but Caitlin Prest um, more or less goes through her her I don't know her sexual history how would you describe it she goes through her sexual history and kind of dis- distinguishes when she feels like she gave consent and when she didn't give consent and really dives into this topic of consent when it comes to sex mm-hmm. and I sent it to Erica because I was so fascinated by her approach well and first of all the audio on it like it's so so cool yeah she incorporates reenactments Mm -hmm. of situations that happened and it sounds so realistic like Mm -hmm. at first you're thinking is this actually and then she stopped and i love that too i love that she goes into a little bit of the reenactment and gets you kind of hooked and questioning and then she stops it and introduces and explains that she hired an actor yeah and even plays some of the like some of the footage of her coaching the actor and explaining how she wants the scene to go, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Really cool radio making. Yeah. So, so just the, the, uh, the production of it was 
one of the best productions I had ever heard. Plus, when you're talking about audio, to create an audio experience... I had a burp, excuse me. When you create an audio experience that feels like it's something you're watching, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And that felt like something I was watching. So, number one, the production was insane. Number two, it just left me mentally chewing on this topic of consent all week. I could, I cannot stop thinking about it because she um, has a very open conversation about, about consent and when she feels like she gave it, when she feels like she didn't. And then um, she even has the audio. What was that guy's name? Raul. Raul. <laughs> so she has a, she interviewed this guy. Raul, who ghosted her. Yeah, he ghosted initially. her. Yes. Um, she interviews this guy and he, um, what, I don't know. She interviewed him for a different podcast. She hit him yes. up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Left the audio running mm-hmm. and then ends up hooking up with him. And there is audio of her hooking up with this guy. Of him convincing her to first. have sex with him. Yeah. Yes. I just, and it, I, that's when I got very emotionally it charged because mm-hmm. when she said, because um, because he wants to give her a massage. Yes. And she uh, she says no touching in sexy places. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what else did she say? She. Yeah. Well, first he wants her on her back, which is right, breast just, yeah. up. Yeah, and then right. they're going through and actually kind of doing exactly what is sort of recommended in the podcast um, regarding consent. Is she goes really clearly and says, "Okay, you can touch me here, but not here," you mm-hmm. know, and and then she says, "Even if I seem like I like it, yes. I don't want you to do this, this, and this." Yes. Uh-huh. Which I've never said to someone. And before yeah. I knew that she was going to have sex with him or that she did have sex with him because she doesn't say that before she plays the clip. Right. I thought, what a perfect thing to say. Yeah. Even if it seems like I want to, mm-hmm. you I'm still, telling you now. I do not want to have sex with you. Yeah. And um, they have sex. Yeah. I think they had sex. I, yes, they did. I, I actually listened to the episode twice. I did too. I listened <laughs> oh. to all of these twice. Every one of them. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so rewind a bit. I texted Erica and I said, you have to listen to this podcast. You I've- said, Erica, yeah, you have to listen. <laughs> I said, okay, since you use my name, I know you're really serious. <laughs> In a text message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Erica, you have to listen to this. So, uh, you started listening to it right away. Oh yeah. Instantly. <laughs> and then I sent it to Mike immediately. Yeah. Um, one of her good friends, Mike. And so you started texting me about an hour later, just, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you're like, oh my God. <gasps> wow. <laughs> and I was like, isn't it so amazing? So for the listeners now, stop what you're doing and go listen to. Put a link in the description. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think it is best to start with mm-hmm. the radio lab series. It's yeah. called in the know. Yes. No is spelled N-O. Mm-hmm. And it was like October, November of 2018, I think, that it came out. Yeah. And then after you listen to that, you should go back and listen to Caitlin's original series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just called No, N-O. 
But it's on the heart. It's it's a series within yes. the heart. Yeah. So you'll Google or you'll look up the heart and look up I know. I wish I had the swipe up thing on Instagram so I could like link all these things, but I think I can link them in the description of this podcast. So you must be close. How many followers do you, you have? You have to have ten thousand. How do you many do you have? Almost six. Oh. Yeah. You'll get there. I'll get there. But um, I'll put it. I'll. I'm pretty sure I can put it in the description. So anyway, go listen to that and then come back. Come back to me. Don't forget to come back to me. Please come back. <laughs> we'll be here. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So we both got, uh, and also I just want to say because of our connect, like our friendship, um, I've always felt like you're just one of those people I can just have the most open of conversations mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. So you're, you were the first person I thought of when I listened to this podcast that made me want to ta- want to have a podcast about consent. Um, so you listened to it. Did you think about... Like when you're listening, when you were listening to it and listening to them talk about consent, like did your mind go to like your own experiences? Did your mind go to like someone you knew? Like where did your mind go? Immediately to my own experiences Mm -hmm. in a few different ways. One um, and maybe the most valuable to me at the time was just how exact her experiences sound and how relatable they were. Um, I think most women have been in the situations described on her podcast and the detail was shockingly identical. And so that first of all was almost validating in a sense, right? Because I think that I, I'm not alone in saying that even in revisiting some of these experiences years later, the question is what, how much was on me and what should or could I have done differently in that moment? Did I say no clearly enough Mm -hmm. to be heard? And then, so for this podcast, I feel like it really starts to dig into and untangle the complexities of what that situation feels like. Mm -hmm. So, it did make me think of my own experiences, but I wouldn't say that it brought them up immediately in a traumatic way. You know, sometimes you hear yeah. something that references something that happened to you and it's triggering. It is traumatic to hear about and think about. Mm-hmm. But because it hits the ground with such traction right off the bat, it it wasn't that it wasn't a traumatic experience to listen to it or recall certain things. It was like a study, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like my reaction to it was to kind of go into my own study of my own experiences and looking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When I think about consent, I think about it can be so charged, right? The whole, the whole topic of consent can be so emotionally charged mm-hmm. or just charged in general, polarizing. And at times I coming from someone who has had, if you look at it on a spectrum, which I'm not even sure is okay, but if you th- if if you did think about consent on a spectrum, there's like this one end that is like someone 100% imposed their will on you. You are not in control. You said no. And so there's this like left end, if we want to say. There's a left end of the spectrum that's like, I 100% said no, and this person 100% imposed their will. And then we creep in to the middle, which might look a little bit like 
what she talked about, which was, um, I said, no, I'm attracted to you. I want to make out or I want to do some things, but not all things. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is hard. It's just, it's always been a hard topic for me to even mentally go to because number one, if I said no, and then someone talked me into it, there is this view that I was assaulted, right? Mm -hmm. Or that, um, but then I don't want to think that I was assaulted by that person. Right. Because sometimes these were people that I ended up being in long-term relationships with or long-term just sexual relationships with. So I'm like, they did not assault me. Mm -hmm. So where in the fuck is the line with this? Um, But I did really like how she dove in completely to that gray area. And I don't, I hate even calling it that because I know people don't want it to be called that. People want it to be black and white, but it just isn't. It just isn't. That was my biggest takeaway from this whole thing. I ex- when I dove into the series and intended to follow up on her series, I thought surely by the end of this, there would I would feel like I had something figured out. Like there is a solution on the horizon, right? Like with all the people that she talks to, like surely collectively we can land on something and say, okay, what is the solution here? Is it the way that we educate our boys and do they need to be doing something different? Do we need to be implementing a concept or a rule, you know, universally that solves this? And none of that, none of these things are an option. It's inevitable. There is a gray area no matter what, because it's so complex. It's so sensitive. And, Every person is different. Two people can have the exact same experience as a different two people. And all parties involved are going to perceive it completely differently, including where they feel they fall on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I started that has made me, I don't know, um, tentative of this subject is. You know how there are things that talking about it too much can make it worse Mm -hmm. or um let's say i heard a very polarizing conversation or consumed some sort of content that was like if you did not give an audible yes then that then that's a no right so that's i've heard that mantra right if you didn't give an audible yes then it's a no right i can see people looking through their sexual history and then maybe being like, man, was I assaulted? And then being, feeling really confused feeling like, well, I didn't say yes. So does that mean? So then like that freaks me out. Right. And that's why part of this conversation, part of the conversation around consent becomes problematic because that's part of it is people saying it has to be a resounding, audible, enthusiastic. Yes. Yes. Or else it's a no. And that's simply not true. Yeah. And like you said, it it doesn't feel good to reflect on an experience and determine yourself a victim, an assault victim. That's not always the case. And then you start feeling like that's the conclusion that you need to jump to or that that's the category certain experiences fall into when that's really not the case. And you know what I thought about that again? 
when in the, in the series that were, that started this whole thing was um was it the final episode that Caitlin did um the episode the, with why do I keep Raul that whoever she was doing this podcast with they were doing like a little bit of a Q&A or something yeah. and the girl said you were assaulted yeah and she and Caitlin broke down like she started crying and mm-hmm. she was like I don't want to identify it as that I don't feel like I was assaulted. I just feel like, well, I don't remember what she said, um, how she distinguished that. And so then you get into this area of like, are you making a distinction without a difference? Or or is there a difference between assault and just a night that you weren't 100% ready? Right, exactly. Well... there's assault and then there's the pressuring, coercing. Yeah. You know, which is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the situation itself matters to an extent, but it's also how the person feels. And remember she said that in the first episode or I think it was in the first with Radio Lab that she says, I would argue that if someone feels like a victim, they are a victim. Oh yeah. In, in where in what she was, I think it's when she's breaking it down with Jay, the yes. friend. So yeah. So if you haven't if you haven't listened to this um, series, Caitlin has an experience with Jay, and a, a Jay is a friend of years and years and years. And then um, they have one drunken night where Jay wants to hook up, have sex, and she pushes back on him several times. Says, "Can we just?" Can we just make out? Can we just do this? And he mm-hmm. keeps pushing, pressuring her, um, and then gets even gets mad and a- angry with her that she doesn't want to have sex. Eventually, they decide to just masturbate in front of each other. I think is what. Yeah. Um. And she felt vi- violated. I guess is that is that what she said? Violated. I, think I can't so. remember if she used that word, but. She felt very violated because that's not what she wanted to do. She said several times that's not what she wanted to do, and then eventually c- caved. Yeah. Um, which I, I totally that made sense to me because I think it would be harder to hold your ground with a friend, right? You know, right? Which I loved that that was something that this series got so into because I think a lot of times when we think about situations like this or assault and non-consent and pressuring. We picture it in scenarios with people that we don't know very well or people that could be otherwise threatening or have, you know, someone that after this experience you're going to be like, no way do I want anything to do with that person. But they talked more about it being that sometimes it's someone that you like and are interested in or maybe even want to date, but you're not ready to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. And so then you are feeling pressured to do more than you want to just to keep the peace or friendliness, you know, if it's someone you don't care about, then it's e- almost easier yeah. to be like, no, you're like, Dude, I don't, care. I don't even yeah. have your number saved in my phone. Right. Right. <laughs> I never want to see you again. Yeah. That's out of the way, Fuck but, off. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's more where the thing that's going to push it in the direction you don't want to go is more intimidation or mm-hmm. aggression. Mm-hmm. But it is so much harder when it's someone you care about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I, I thought and thought and thought about this. I thought about 
my, like my whole sexual history I thought about. And I mentioned it a little bit on Instagram, how I grew up where you marry someone and you only have sex with whoever you choose to marry and you don't have sex before then. And that's just the end of it. So basically when you get married, you're consenting to have sex with that person and then that person only. Mm -hmm. So that's what consent was to me growing Mm -hmm. up was marriage. So there was no conversation around you start dating someone and you know, what is, you know, you start wanting to have sex and that the just, it didn't, I don't even, I don't even know what that conversation looks like. I, I don't know. And I would love for like some input on from people who did have that conversation and like what it looked like, like what it sounded like from their mom or dad to, to like, you know what? At some point you're going to have sex and that's fucking great. Um, but if you don't want to have sex, you don't have to. Like I I don't I can't even have a fake conversation about <laughs> consent cuz I don't know what that sounds yeah. like. No, and there was none of that for me either. I was brought up with the same expectations that it was you get married and that's the first time that you have sex and that's the only person you ever have sex with. Um, and even when it did come to conversations about consent, which came only from school, like, um, Mm. it was called human growth and development was the class that we took as a sex ed where they're like, this is a tampon. (laughs) Don't have sex. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very like sterile, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And even there, the conversations around consent really were very black and white um, and touched not at all on the act of coercion or pressure or this gray area that we're talking about. It's like there's sex, there's violent rape, and that's I'm laughing only because it's true. I'm not (laughs) laughing because violent rape is funny because it's not. Of course. But it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very. It's it's really disheartening almost because ninety percent of not more than that are this gray area, Mm -hmm. especially new partners. Yes. It's not this like this person might violently rape me. Right. It's this fucking gray area, and and I don't. I'm. I am certainly not discounting like sexual assault. I'm just saying that when it comes to someone that you want to have sex with and it's just down to timing, like when you want to have sex with someone, no one's talking about that. Right. And you know what's funny? So this is a good segue. Um, I polled, not polled Instagram, but I asked a bunch of people on Instagram like six questions. And one of the questions was, when do you know that you're ready to have sex with someone? And no one gave me an answer. Mm. No one knew. I, I don't know how you could because I, I think that's a situation to situation basis. You mm-hmm. know it when you feel it, when mm-hmm. it feels right. There's no, I mean, I certainly don't have any kind of rule. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if it has been 40 days <laughs> and we've shared at least five meals, <laughs> full meals, not snacks, not soup. <laughs> Soup doesn't count. <laughs> Is that clam chowder? Sorry, we're, this doesn't count. <laughs> Unless there's crackers on yeah. it, then, then we're getting... It's pretty substantial. Unless there's crackers. <laughs> but I mean, 
Um, let me see if I can. I want to read through some of these because I said, when when do you feel like the question verbatim was, when do you know when you want to have sex with someone versus when you're not ready? Oh, one girl did say, I know I want to have sex because I know, all capital, I want to. Mm. When I don't, my mind will wander badly. I will find myself thinking, yeah, nope, not right now. If I'm thinking other about other distractions, there's no reason I should have I should be having sex with someone and I want to stop. So I guess if you're like distracted, mm-hmm. maybe if you're just trying to convince yourself. Right. Trying to talk yourself into it is mm-hmm. a way to know that you're not ready. That's true. But is there any sign to know that you are? No, you just know it. You, you just, just feel know. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may even think earlier in the day you're planning on going on a date with that person later that night and you're like, hmm, I think it might be that time. I think I might be interested. Sure. And then you're out together or coming home and it doesn't, no longer mm-hmm. feels right to you. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what really broke my heart about these questions, I... <clears throat> I posted these questions on Instagram and I, I posted six questions. I said, have you ever felt like you violated someone's consent? Mm-hmm. No one answered yes. Um, which is probably nice that no one feels like that. Um, have you ever felt like someone violated um, your consent or didn't get appropriate consent? And if I remember correctly, there were probably about 25 people that responded to these questions and no one said no, everyone said that they feel like yeah. someone violated their consent. Um, Are these um, all female identifying people? All women. Answer? Yeah, um, yeah, all women. And then uh, do you feel, do you think a single verbal yes is enough? And this is where it started getting a little gray. Um, this girl that I'm looking at right now says, absolutely not. There's no body language and context cues that should be... Um, there to support that should be there to support absolutely not there should there's there oh, should be there's body language and context cues right so if someone just gives you a yes but then they're being a little funny right a little weird right then it should be a no right that's where i struggle that's where i struggle because i have a brother and then i worry i worry that he wasn't raised right and then I don't want to con- I don't want to think of him as like an assailant. Mm-hmm. So I well, w- what situation do you think that he? What What is your worry more specifically? I worry that he's not, and I don't. I'm I, I'm honestly not even appropriating this just just to him. I'm right. just I worry because he's my brother, mm-hmm. and I worry for him. But he might be better at this than I'm giving him credit for. But I worry that. Um, maybe he's not intuitive enough to pick up on these cues Mm -hmm. or like, how do you know? So that is exactly where I landed at the end of this whole series thinking what can change? You know, we're having this conversation. This is something that affects literally everybody as your poll is showing literally all women have been in this situation and how do we start changing that one I think is the conversation around it, but also that no, I don't think boys are necessarily naturally equipped with that kind of intuition and they need to be a little more educated about it. I think, I think all 
men could benefit from that. Um, not that they don't have the tools to read and have that intuition, but just that it's not on their radar to do so in the first place. Yes. I like how they, what, what do they say? They say, steal the beer. What is it? Steal the beer. Oh, shit. What is it? Get the girl. Steal the beer. Get her drunk. I don't. It was some mantra yeah, there was that a boys mantra. are raised on, which is yeah. so true. And just everything like media. I mean, look at any movie about frat boys in the eighties. I mean, this is just. It's like once you're there, once you're in that space with the woman, and things are starting to roll, you're golden. You're in the clear. Go for it, and you've succeeded. And there is no culture or concept about having that intuition or about checking in throughout or about learning to identify body language. Um, and so I did get, um, one guy that wrote me and this was his response. Um, in a society where the man is often the one who has to quote, make the first move. I think we have to be careful where to draw the line of quote, I've been violated slash he didn't, or she didn't, he didn't have consent. I've been violated. He didn't have consent. It can be intimidating enough putting yourself out there at the risk of rejection. But if we go too far um, with it, we may begin to see guys lose that quote, aggressive sexiness that women often find attractive. If we're talking strictly sex, then I agree that boundary boundaries should be in place where consent is something that if taken far enough, could apply to every element, kissing and hugging. So in this response, I all of a sudden, I, I realized, I think I've probably put a lot of pressure on guys in the past to make those moves and how much, I don't. I couldn't even tell you where my head was at, in far as far as consent goes. But um, I get what he's saying. I get where he's saying that th that guys feel um, like they have to make all the moves. So then, th so then they're worried about how to um, collect consent. If that that's the right word. Sure. Well, I think it's just a matter of. Does it seem like the other person's having a good time? Mm -hmm. I, I think it could be that simple, mm -hmm. right? But to the second point, well, okay. So first of all, I, I do struggle with this narrative of like that line and some others that come up in the podcast are edging on the whole, it's a scary time for young men in America concept, which I don't support or identify with because there was a guy in the podcast that put it really perfectly where he said, you know, if it, if all it takes to potentially lessen how damaging this is for all women collectively mm. is for me to have to take a little extra care and being aware or checking in, you know, like if I just have to take that extra step and that's all it takes to make sure someone's comfortable, like I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, um, when a few years ago when it started becoming a lot more common, um, people were developing a lot more awareness about gender fluidity and identity and using people's preferred pronouns and, coming from a conservative background and having conservative friends and family, my whole thing at first, I was like, 
it's not something I have direct experience with or can understand from my own perspective, but if it just, all it takes is the tiny extra effort of being mindful of someone else and, you know, asking the questions or being aware and then taking the time to learn and make sure that, you know, I'm being respectful to this other person. I'm willing to do that. It's not that hard, you know, it's not that much extra effort to make someone else's experience a lot less traumatic. And that's what I'm thinking about with guys is like, is it that much? It's not, it doesn't have to be that much extra work or that hard. You know, it's not going to kill your whole thing that you've had going for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, I think when you, I, I wonder when you, when you generalize, if you ever generalize or if men feel generalized, if they feel generalized that men in general are not getting appropriate consent or men in general are not intuitive, then I think it almost makes them less likely to listen in. Hmm. I wonder if there's a conversation or an approach that is just a little more educational and not so... um, Attacking. Yeah, because I feel like maybe they feel a little attacked. And, sure. Um, I'm, I, d- I, don't, I don't want you to think that I'm like making excuses, but I'm just trying to think about it from, uh, from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this, when I think about my brother, when I think about people I've had sex with, when I think about men that I know that I fucking love and adore, and I've heard stories from them. And I, and, I, and, and I think back about people that they've had sex with and maybe a story that they shared with me. And I think, man, maybe that wasn't the best mm-hmm. for her. I, um, I, as horrible as it might have been for the person on the other end of that, I don't want to discount that. I really don't. But what's broken, right? And I, what don't they know? Like what? Coming, okay, so I came, I come from this background of there was no talk of consent, right? And as a woman, that's been difficult for me to navigate. There have been times when I feel like I've been violated and it's, I don't, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I wake up the next day and I feel sick and gross. I feel sick and gross for weeks and I hate, hate that feeling. Um, my brother grew up in the same fucking home. He grew up in a home that said, when you marry a woman, she is yours. And now you can have sex with her. So how was he supposed to know what consent looks like? How was he supposed to know? And then, and then when we get into these really polarizing conversations where it's like, it's men's fault, then I don't, I don't want him to tune out. I don't want him to zone out. So like, how can we, how can we help them listen without feeling like we've already villainized them? Well, my hope would be that any man that cares about the feelings of women collectively hears something like, hey, nearly 100% of women have felt like their consent has been violated. Take a moment to think about how you handle that. I mean... there's no possible way for me to put myself in the shoes of a man, but I just feel like if I heard that, wow, it's that common. Mm -hmm. Let me take a quick second and reassess or learn a little more. You know, I would hope that they would 
want to educate themselves when they hear Mm -hmm. how common this is and how often it is and how likely it is that they themselves have done that possibly unknowingly. And I love going back to the, the idea of education. I mean, just in the past year alone, there have been two situations in my life that you and I have talked about where I was upset with the way someone was doing something and instead of reacting in an upset way right away, we talked about it and landed on let's educate that person first because they probably don't even know. Oh, like one of the two was, we could talk about this, the neighbor's dog barking. Do you remember this? That my neighbor was leaving their dog out and it was barking all day, every day and all (laughs) night. And it was driving me nuts and I had a huge Um. issue with it. And I was ready to march over there and tell them what's what. I was ready to file some kind of formal complaint. I remember you telling me about this, but I don't remember you. I don't. You didn't tell me about how you handled it. Well, I didn't handle it. My roommate handled it because oh. she's an angel and she knows them. But she just sent them a letter and was like, "Hey, um, you know, just so you know, the dog is out and barking all day." Well, the people didn't know. It was like a, a family member that was staying at the house that was leaving the dog out, oh. and. So when they knew about it and they felt bad and they apologized and they changed it right away and everything was fine and nobody had to get aggressive, nobody had to get mad and approach it that way. It just started with education. I think you can think of the other situation that I'm talking about. Yes. Sometimes, you know, beginning with not attacking because exactly it is easy to tune out and become defensive. They want to become defensive and tune out and not hear it. Um, But the educational approach... I would mm-hmm. hope that they would be open to it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> one thing I wanted to mention is when I when I asked Instagram if they ever feel like they violated someone's consent, no one answered yes. Not that I wish anyone's consent was violated, but I would love to talk to someone who feels like they violated someone's consent because I feel like I have. Mm. And this happened with someone... Well, actually twice, but it was with the same person. And one time in particular, uh, I w- this was actually someone I was dating. So we were in a regular sex sex relationship. One night he came over and I, um, I don't know how to like give, without giving too many details, but he came over and we're like making out on the couch and he were like, he gets me really worked up. I think we're about to have sex. Like that's what I was like, we're going to have sex. And then right before we do, he stops and tells me no. And says that it was because I had had a, um, UTI Mm. for a little bit. And, um, he was like, I don't think we should have sex because you've had a UTI and you should, heal up (laughs) and I was pissed I was like you fucking got me here I'm all worked up I thought we were gonna have sex and now you don't you knew what you were doing I mean this this was how the exact dialogue went I was so mad I I I kept trying to get him to have sex with me I like I feel embarrassed about it now but I was so mad I was like, what the fuck? And he was kind of manipulative at times in the relationship. And I just thought it was this big fucking manipulation. But if you were to tell this story 
with the roles reversed, yeah. it would so it would be so easy to yeah. say, "What a douchebag!" He oh he, oh she she you, you know if you like say he was telling a story to his friends and he's like she give me fucking blue balls. Mm-hmm. Say you had an inside ear, you'd be like, "Wow, how dare he!" Right. But that was me. Yeah. I I was mad that he didn't want to have sex with me. I was oh god. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. I want I kicked him out. I was like, "Fuck you." I was so mad. Oh wow. I was so mad. I I was like, "You're manipulative. You're terrible." But that was true. And he was manipulative in other ways. He was. And it's possible that that itself was also a manipulation tactic. But let's just say no one has context. Right. As an isolated incident. Absolutely. If, if someone heard that story and did not have context, mm-hmm. he, was, he was manipulative at times. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times. But most of the time in today's world, people read headlines. People don't get fucking context. So, like I said, if the roles were reversed and I didn't, I could tell that story without context and, and say that was him and he kicked me out of his place for, and say I was manipulative, which I've been manipulative. I'm not going to say that I've never been manipulative ever because I've been manipulative. Mm-hmm. And the roles reversed and I could tell all my girlfriends and say he kicked me out of his place because I wouldn't have sex with him. Like this is a this is obviously I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that anyone has ever done this ever. But it it just made me think. Like I feel like I viol I violated I've I crossed the line. Like big time. I crossed the line mm-hmm. with this. Right. So you're having those repercussive thoughts about that situation and in the future with that awareness going forward, you are unlikely to violate someone's consent in that way again mm-hmm. because you recognize that situation for what it was. There's also a lot more physiological and historical context about gender roles in that particular situation that could be unpacked. But The important thing is that awareness, and I think that's what a lot of this is missing, is the repeat offenders, right? Men who don't understand that that type of exchange isn't normal or comfortable for the other person and continue to operate on that basis. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is I didn't even consider that thing, that this experience I'm just talking about, until I listened to this podcast. Mm. I didn't. I never, I never would have thought about it ever again. And he never said, he never said like you were like way out of bounds. I mean, we had a bit of a tiff about it, but not in the, in the sense of him being like, you were violating me or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just a regular, like, oh, we had a bit of a tiff about, might've been a, might, might as well have been a tiff about a fucking dinner choice. Right. You know, it was never. And so when the, with this same person, a while later, we broke up. And then like a couple months later, we were, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know the timeline, but a while later, uh, we were hanging out. We were just friends, pretty good at just being just friends. One night I was drunk and 
we ended up going to sleep in the same bed, which we'd done before. For whatever reason, I wanted to make out that night. <laughs> and we started making out. And then, oh, I just feel so weird even saying this. But I kept, he he didn't want to not make out, but he didn't want to do anything else. And I was like, you need to, you need to just relax. And I kept telling him that. Ugh. I don't even know why I fucking said that. Mm. Ew. Gross. <laughs> You're gross. I'm no. gross. <laughs> no, but like, ew. Yeah. And I just wanted, I, and I didn't, I didn't even want him to have sex with me. I just could tell he wasn't relaxed. Mm-hmm. But this is someone I've known for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We were very close, very familiar. And like we dated for a while. Yeah. And then we and then we we broke up. And then we weren't dating. Um and then we, we were still close. It was it's a weird thing, but we weren't intimately involved and then this one night we were drunk and we started making out and I think he was drunk too. And then he did tell me the next day. He was like, whoa, what the hell was that? And I was like, I don't know. And I felt, oh, God, I felt so bad. I, I was like, I don't, I've never done that with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like that, I feel more bad about that. Because mm-hmm. I kept telling them to relax. Like, ew, what the fuck? Let me just give you a massage. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I think this is really interesting in the same way that you're saying you didn't think about those situations and feeling gross about them or that you were violating his consent until you heard this podcast, until this conversation became a, pr- a present thing in your life, that you're starting to revisit past situations and revisit your behavior and identify maybe times that you could have done better. And you'll be thinking about that moving forward. And that's the kind of thing that, I mean, that's literally what the Me Too movement is. This is what's happening is that a national conversation is coming to light that men are starting, this is, it's becoming prevalent and men are hearing it and then revisiting their own experiences and stories and identifying, oh yeah, there maybe was a time, not just men, obviously. Yeah. And, it, you know, yeah, bringing that awareness. Mm-hmm. Because I felt even of the people of the times where I felt so conflicted, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop thinking about these two experiences with this person. And and we talked about it at length on the phone. Cause I Just was, recently? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I, f- I, f- I felt so bad. I just was like, and oddly enough, there were actually times in return that he did this to me that he violated my consent and um that doesn't make it okay for me to violate his consent i'm not saying that but it did open up the conversation for us to both talk about it openly and for us both to be like i'm sorry and i i you know I, but you know, I tell, I don't, I, I don't want, I guess what I'm trying to do is I don't want anyone to think that they're like above it or that they're, 
it's if it's not it's a slippery slope to like be entitled to someone or feel entitled to someone's body or services <laughs> like, <I don't laughs> what, like what do you whatever you want to call it but mm-hmm. you can get familiar with someone right because i i oh my god i can't i can't imagine behaving that way with someone i didn't know right Right. And it's different. I mean, when you had that conversation with him, did he tell you that, yes, I'm so scarred and I've been thinking about that night ever since and how you violated my (laughs) consent? No, but he did know, he did feel it. Mm. Uh, He didn't forget it. He he knew exactly what I was talking about. It's not like, (sighs) yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, on the other end of that, I, you know, I really got to thinking about times I've had sex and like when it was a really good time and when it was a really bad time. Mm-hmm. And I was just earlier this evening met uh, met met someone for a beer, and I was telling him about someone that I. So this would be a, a really frustrating experience for me. So I met up with someone. He lives kind of far away. So this was like a year ago. He lives kind of far away. And um, we'll just call him Steve. (laughs) (laughs) So I started talking with Steve over Instagram. And then um, we talked for a couple weeks, like every day. We're flirting, text message flirting kind of thing. Which I I get myself. I like flirting with people over Texas. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I I do. Like if you want to text me and flirt, like fucking great. This is as soon as we get in person that I get all weird. Um, so we were just a couple weeks go by. He lives, uh, I don't know, like two hundred miles away, out of town. Um, he comes into town, wants to meet up. So I'm tentative about it because I'm like, well, what's the point? Like mm-hmm. he lives far away. So I um we meet up for coffee, and then I had an open mic that night, and then he follows me to the open mic. Not follows me as in creepy. Like I, I was like, you can come if you want. Had a really good time with him, both at the, the coffee at Starbucks, and then again at open mic. And then we decided to go to a movie afterwards, which was great. Then we started making out at my truck after, and I, um, sent him home. He texts me something like, oh, "I'm not gonna see you, like again." for a while, something along those lines, because he was leaving in the morning to go back home. I don't know why I'd invent, I like invited him back over to my house. After you'd parted ways for the night. Yeah. And then he starts texting me like, I'm not going to see you again. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So I invite him over to the house. And I said in text, in text message, I said, I don't want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. I said, I, we're not having sex. He gets here. I say it again. Why? When he gets here, I was like, we're not having sex. And I was like, we can watch TV, make out, whatever. But I don't want to have sex with you. Then we're in my room, pretty sure we're watching The Office, fucking quintessential. Mm-hmm. And we're still watching The Office. He keeps making out with me, like trying to get, you know, hands go down to the pants. I shut it down several times. I don't want to have sex. I don't want to have sex. But I swear it probably sounded like 
that Caitlin Prest thing where I'm, I was being very, I was being mm. playful, but you don't want to kill the mood. Right. And I love making out. Who fucking doesn't like, can, tell me a girl that doesn't like making out. I could make out for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't need sex all the time. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time. Mm-hmm. I love making out mm-hmm. and like everything that has to do with making out. Yeah. And so many times my mind doesn't go beyond that. Right. So when your hands start wandering, I'm just like, why can we just not do this? Right. Can, can we just not? Right. So I shut him down several times. We're laying on the bed and we're cuddling and then he keeps start making out. And you know, it's hard because you're, you like making out. And then it fucking goes that place every time. And it's just like, well, now I feel like I have, it's either I would have had to shut it down right when he starts making out with me. Right. But obviously he, he likes making out. Right. He's just expecting it to go further. <coughs> Excuse me. I eventually had sex with him. And I just, so we, and, and so the guy, the uh, friend I met up with earlier this afternoon, he I was like, yeah, so eventually we, we had sex and it was terrible sex. I didn't like it at all. I didn't, I didn't orgasm. I didn't, I just want, I just was like, all right, wait for him to do his thing. Right. Just to shut him up. Yeah. Which is the worst feeling. Yes. And you're just like, I hope you get off quick. Yeah. Like how many times have you been in this situation mm-hmm. where you're like, hope you get off quick. Mm-hmm. Cause I, my vagina is going to be raw. <laughs> Because you're not even aroused. Right. You just want to get it over with. Because you're literally acquiescing for him to shut up. Because he's asking for the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you're telling him the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. There are two ways to end it. Kick him out of your house, Mm -hmm. which is dramatic and tumultuous. Mm -hmm. Or go along with it. And if you have any shred of wanting to continue to be interested in this person or spend time with them, then it's like that becomes your option. And that's where the gray area comes in because the people that don't understand this are like, why don't you just kick him out? Why don't you just tell him to leave? It's not like that. It's not just like that. Because I liked him. Yeah. We had a great night. Mm. We went for coffee and open mic and a movie and it was all great. Yeah. And then it wasn't until that on Caitlin Press podcast, did you hear there was a girl that said the whole night was a great except for this sex. Yeah. Like she said something like except for this like stupid, yeah. stupid thing where I had to have sex with him, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That's fucked up. You have. Oh, my God. And you know what? It's really easy to listen in and be like, wow, that's fucked but like to really put yourself in their shoes or to let yourself think about a time when that was you, that's hard. Because I told this guy no so many times. And I I remember we got in the shower afterwards and he kept like referencing the sex and I just could not be more nauseated. I just remember being like, cool, if you'd never mention that again, that'd be great. I was just so, and I, and he left, he's ended up spending the night and I was just up half the night, like really disappointed. And you know, the thing is, is like when you do that, 
you're just all you can think about is yourself. I didn't think about him. I wasn't thinking about, wow, I wish he would have stopped pressuring me. I just thought I should have stood my ground. But you know what? When did you give me the opportunity to say no and then stick to it? Right. Right. Like at no point. Right. And there again, the gray area comes into play because in situations like that, did he violently force himself on you? No. So then it's easy for people like dads. I was really the example that keeps coming to mind for me, honestly, (laughs) when I'm thinking about people that don't understand a, a woman's struggle with consent is, well, why didn't you, you know, just eventually you gave in, right? Which is like the same thing as saying yes. So then it's your own fault. That's, I think, the the line of thinking that a lot of people carry, which is so wrong because they're not seeing or feeling that side of it where you did say no 15, 20 times in a row. And then it got to that point where you either had to create a tumultuous and awkward situation of kicking him out of the house or just shutting him up. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was having this conversation with the guy I felt like I had been aggressive towards I just said we all want to we're all acting like we're our own best advocates and we're not yeah if there if anything is true specifically with women I am my worst advocate at times especially if you have a man's needs involved Mm -hmm. because then I'm like well shit you good dude you good (laughs) All the time. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I have nothing but my own perspective. And my perspective comes from a girl that was raised in a very patriarch-heavy home where you have religion and God and men that rule the world. So... I don't know if that's everyone else's feelings, but my feelings were is like you bow down to the man, you make sure he's okay. And in some ways it's made me a very nurturing and loving person. And I love that about myself because in time of need, I can be very nurturing and caring and I'm empathetic and I fucking love, I love that about myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. But if you're a man in need, I will be there. (laughs) I'll be there for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So where... Do you you feel that? Do you feel as like... Not as much as you do, Mm -hmm. but I do also feel that and had similar experiences. And where do you draw that line of caring and serving and meeting needs, but not violating your own? needs and boundaries Mm -hmm. to serve someone else Mm -hmm. men or not frankly i mean yeah this conversation expands far beyond sex and consent and Mm -hmm. you know people pleasing is a whole another thing you could get into well what i was thinking about when i was thinking about this was if we get into logistics as the man 
You are inserting your penis inside of me. Right. You're putting something inside of me. Right. So it's so different to them. Cause, and I wanted to talk about this when you were talking about the story with the guy on the couch and the flip situation. And what was it? It is different. And as much as we want to create this black and white thing of like equality across the board, exact same standards, exact same rules, both genders, bald genders, blah, blah, blah. It simply doesn't work that way for that specific fact alone. The physical being penetrated versus penetrating. The trauma associated with that is just so different. Mm-hmm. I got to thinking about um, how many guys do you know that are just like, yeah, shove it up my butt. <laughs> how many guys do you know that are super fucking weird about anal or right. butt stuff or anything right. being inside the, a finger? Mm-hmm. They would flip their shit. Right. Anything being put inside of them. Right. And that's, it's so. You're putting your different. dick inside of me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, every time you put your dick inside of me, I want you to think about the amount of consent you would need to give a woman to put her finger inside of you or a fucking dildo inside of you. Can you please take that snippet as the quote that you (laughs) advertise this podcast with? Because really that wraps so much of it up. It really, really does. I, I mean, that says so much about the dichotomy of the experience that I think isn't and wasn't talked about very much in that podcast, but just truly how different it is for men and women for that reason, Mm -hmm. because nothing's being put inside of them. Mm -hmm. And if they thought about it that way, how -hmm. different it might be. Yeah. Because how just the, just even the mention of ass play to a guy, they're instantly shriveled up like, fuck no, no one's putting anything inside my ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but you expect me to put your dick inside my vagina or my mouth. <laughs> the, face, <laughs> the face I just made like, ooh. I know. She's like, ew, gross. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> like, oh, if you don't want to put it in your vagina, put it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. Right. Um, but it is. You're inserting it inside of me. Right. <laughs> like It's so then, much. It's so much more to carry and to deal with and to consent to and to experience. Mm-hmm. It's such a vastly different experience. And like that goes you, unrecognized. You can't feel when I'm not super lubricated mm-hmm. and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like these are things I have to think about. Right. Or if I'm nervous and can't get wet, <laughs> you know? Right. I just, yeah, when I got to think about that, I was like, man, no guy wants to do anal. Right. They don't want to do anal. Most of them don't. I know one guy that liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them do. Some of them are just so freaked out by the concept. I think most yeah. of them would if they gave it a shot. Yeah, I know. I That's true. That's very the, true. The one guy that was super into it. I don't think uh, I've ever... was so into it that I was like, I, when we did it, I was like, every guy needs to know about this because this is the fucking shit. I don't think I've ever heard from a guy who's tried it who didn't like it. I think it really is That's just true. a matter of trying it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that being said, just consider it. Just consider when what it takes to be penetrated and how sensitive that is. Mm-hmm. And why it's important that there's consent involved Mm -hmm. from that angle, Mm -hmm. from 
the one being penetrated. Mm-hmm. That's where and why it is different. That's true. For men and women. It's, it's, it, we can't have this utopia of, of just flat equality. It's different. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to this. Can you think of a time or an experience where it was like, in my mind, I'm thinking about the first time you had sex with someone, not, th- not the first time you had sex, but like a new partner mm-hmm. <clears throat> that just went so well. Like, can you think of a perfect experience where, like, how would this look like? What, like, what would this world of perfect consent look like? Mm. The experiences that come to mind, it's interesting, uh, included, did not include um, language, actual, there, there was not... Um, there was not a yes because there was not a question, mm-hmm. but the behavior and flow and vibe and body language and everything else about the situation was a yes, gave the yes, essentially, you know, and that's was that was perfect because there was no question. There was no need for a question. It just happened and, and was fine. And that too is where it, it's like, it doesn't have to be a verbal yes. And the absence of a yes is not a no. So if you feel like it without getting like, without saying anything you don't want to say, but like, could you give the audience an idea of like what your body language looked like or like what his body language looked like, or like maybe something you did earlier in the evening or like was he trying to take off your pants and then you didn't resist or, you know, like what, what, what does that look like? Well, it was someone that we'd been spending a lot of time. To, first of all, we knew each other for a long time. Okay. You know who this is. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd known each other for a long time just in life. And then we had been spending a lot of time together for several weeks leading mm-hmm. up to that and had been building trust and building comfortability around one another. And then... There was snuggling and then there was touching and then there was reciprocation. And that's where I think the language became really clear because it was a very um, like consistent give and take from both parties. You know, it was a, I like in the podcast, it's described as a dance, a, a dance and a language of mutual mutuality and reciprocation um that spoke as as the consent so it's interesting because the person i met with earlier today i've asked him do you think there's a difference between coercing someone into sex when they're your like it's a it's a uh new partner mm-hmm. versus coercing a uh committed partner into sex so say you've been together 10 years right and you really want to have sex and they're not feeling it and you're like oh honey come on is there a difference and then he he said yes and then um his the basically what we boiled it down to was building trust yes and then what i just heard you say between you and this person was that you built trust yes so I want. I wonder. Maybe it's just about boiling it down to b- 
building trust. Yes. With with someone. And then I hear that and I think, well, what the fuck? How, I mean, how long does it take to build trust? But that's not quantifiable. It's not quantifiable. But that is exactly what makes the difference. And like you said, with a couple that's been together 10 years, I think there definitely could be... I mean, if there's coercion, there's definitely relationships that have been in, in place for 10 years where there's inappropriate coercion. Or, of course. Um, but in the way that I think you're talking about, it's different because the person being coerced deep down knows that there's one way to say it or put their foot down that they're not going to eventually be talked into it. They're not going to be uncomfortable enough that they go with it to shut the person up because you don't have to communicate that way with someone that you've known for a long time and that you really trust. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I want to share a story on the subject that I I think is interesting. I would love that. And you started talking about something similar to this earlier. Um, But this was... Few years ago, um, someone that was a friend that I knew and um, decided to go home with, and um, he, from the beginning, even when we're at the bar, when he invited me home, was just very paranoid. And I was giving him, I mean, I was into it. We had seen each other a few times. Vibes were good. Like. You know, it was very comfortable. Trust was being built. Um, And you were friends? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say close friends. I mean, we'd we'd spent a few times together and and it was leading, it was leaning romantic, right? Okay. Um, But we're at the bar and even when he's inviting me home, he's like very paranoid and going, not... Not not to have sex or anything, you know, but just like I don't know if you maybe if you wanted to hang out or maybe snuggle a little bit or watch a TV show or oh. something, but you know maybe and I'm like yeah okay that's fine well, sure let's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it and we go to his house and it continues this way when we're in the door are you sure are you sure you want to be here is this okay I can get you a ride home if you want you want me to call you a cab do you want to go back to your house do you want to <laughs> Nope, I'm here. I've made yep. the decision here to are. come here. I'm having a good time. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Let's just continue enjoying ourselves. Mm-hmm. Then we're in bed. Things are going f- well. They're fine, smooth. I'm responding well. You know, it's and so you're fooling around. Yeah. Okay. And he's continuing to check in, which uh, okay. I appreciate to an extent, like for th- sure. But. It was, this continued, and we had sex, till the end of it, I, even actively during the sex itself. Oh, God. During actual sex, mm-hmm. stopping. Are you okay? And at one point, he even started berating himself in the moment and going, <gasps> he even said out loud, he goes, I'm so sorry I pressured you into this. And I said, what the? No, You're you like, did not. Dude, you've asked. I've you've asked me so give, many times. Aww. You've given me more opportunities than I needed to back out of this, which I appreciate. For sure. But I'm here telling you now that I'm consenting to this. And this You're is like, fine. put it inside me. <laughs> You're, you need to stop breaking the moment to ask me. And the blaming, it was just, yeah, that was uncomfortable. Um, what happened to him? Do you know? In, he is in a wonderful relationship now. They just had their two-year anniversary. I'm oh. scooping, on, <laughs> snooping, snooping on Facebook. <laughs> um, and I'm very happy to see that. But, yeah, it and they're, they're 
needs to be a balance. So I appreciate it. And that was the first time I'd had that experience. Right. And, um, I think that there is something to be learned from that and, and that to have a sprinkle of whatever that guy had. (laughs) Sprinkle. (laughs) Just a sprinkle that, well, the, the consciousness to check in in any capacity would be so nice to have in all situations. If I could just take his check-in level and then disperse it against every other (laughs) situation I've ever been in, I feel like there'd be a nice balance there but yeah it it was um man checking in mm-hmm. it can be hot it, it like it's not even that hard to make it hot not like, at all are you good yeah how does that feel or right. i don't know like honestly it shouldn't just be straightforward i swear she's not gonna be like wow right. dude it can be as simple as do you like that yeah that's yeah. such a simple question that can be a sexy question and that or opens the door and gives the opportunity. If you're like, if you're, if you're choosing to use condoms, which you should <laughs> use protection, people. <laughs> um, you know, do you want me inside you? I, you know, you you do you want this? Right. Are you ready? Right. I, you know, it can be so simple, and that's something I think people don't realize is they're like, oh, what? What am I supposed to sit there and get out a contract and you yeah. know ask her what do you want to do and like, not do? It does not have to be like. And that. I really do not even have the intention to even talk to either side of this spectrum because. Of course, there are going to people. There are going to be people that um, exploit uh, either party. People are going to be like, "I was raped," and maybe it was a consensual thing. You know, I don't know. That's not my job to pull apart. I have no interest in pulling that apart. But I really am just interested in talking about this gray area, which I feel like is where most people are falling into this. Right where does consent happen? And like you're saying, there was a guy um, that when I think about my ideal experience, we had been hanging out. Um, we had hung out three or four times all in public, no opportunity for sex, a couple makeout sessions, whatever. But again, it was in public. And this must have been like the fourth time we hung out. And I remember before we before I even went to his house, because we were meeting at his apartment, then we were going downtown with, downtown with some of his friends. Then, you know, I, I instantly was like, okay, now I have to think about sex. Before, before this even happened, I was like, okay, I'm meeting at his apartment. Then we're walking downtown, which means we're probably going to walk back to his apartment, which means I'm probably going to be drunk, which means he's probably going to assume that we're going to have sex. Like, um, guys listening, girls fucking think about this shit. Oh, yeah. If um, we're going to be at your or my place, I think about how the fuck do I want to have sex? Am I ready? You know, we go through all of this. Oh, yeah. So I was worried about it from the beginning. I was like, am I ready? I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Um, night goes on. Of course, we at night ends in his bed and we're making out. Uh, I don't remember resisting anything. Like, I think he got me naked or at least my pants off. And, um, I didn't resist anything, but the whole time I was thinking like, do I want to, I don't know. I was still a little conflicted and I don't remember if he like went to put a condom on or or whatever, but he said, um, I think he said something like, are you okay? Or do you want, do you, do you want me to, I think he said, do you want me to get a condom? 
either mm. do you want me to get a condom or are you okay? And I didn't answer him. I was just like thinking and I couldn't, I was like, do I do it or not do it? I couldn't get an answer out. And he just said, oh my God, you're so conflicted. And then he physically put my pants back on. Wow. And he was like, oh my God, you're so conflicted. Wow. And put my pants back on. And you guys, he, well, I think he just put my panties back on because we were, I wanted to sleep over. Yeah, pants in the bed are weird. Yeah. Then we usually put my jeans on. <laughs> put your jeans back on. We're going to sleep. He put my panties back on. Yeah. <laughs> put my jeans on. We're going to sleep. No. He put my panties back on. And he was like, we can just cuddle. Oh. And I was like, thank God. See, how hard was that? Does that make him unsexy? Does that? No. no. So simple, right? Oh, my God. I was like, oh. but I think. You know, first of all, let me just say, I think that there are some guys that are using this as an excuse because they know that it means they it will not end in sex. So they don't want to ask. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. And that's okay. If you can, if you can at least be honest with yourself and know that. I don't ask because I know it won't end in sex. And at least you're fucking aware of that. Right. But for this guy, that's what that meant. It meant that it didn't end, end in sex. And you know what? The next time we met up, we had sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But I felt I trusted him after that. Exactly. You built trust. Yes. That was a trust building experience. It was. It really was. Because I just, I was so floored. I like, I just remember wanting to cry. Mm. I was so like, thank you for giving me the opportunity to say no. Yeah. Because that's all I needed. Because I was conflicted. I didn't know. I was conflicted from the fucking time he told me we were going to meet at his apartment. Mm-hmm. Which, looking back, obviously, it's very clear to me that I wasn't ready to have sex if I had to fucking think about it for four days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And then we're even in the moment. I can't even give him a straight answer. Yeah. She can't give you a straight answer. She doesn't know. Right. Like, she doesn't know. Why would you not err on the side of caution? Why would you not err on the side of caution? And that's what I loved was in the podcast. They said, most guys, you ask how important it is to them that the girl had a nice time, had a nice night. A lot of them really do care and would want to make whatever choice is going to ensure that the other person had a good time. Mm-hmm. Even if for the sake of, I know next time we hang out, the trust will be built and we're definitely going to get some. But, yeah. you know, to that that is their preference. And... It's sometimes it's just a matter of asking and having the awareness and then mm-hmm. all parties can be happy. Yeah. And I just want to get like the one thing out of the way that I don't care how unsexy you think it's going to sound. It's not. Right. Right. Because that's a fucking cop out. Having the confidence and awareness and sensitivity to be asking the question is 10 times sexier than whatever you think you're pulling off by not yeah. asking. Yeah. If we, you think you're manlier to just follow through. When you keep fucking going at it, I just don't, I, I wish that there was a way to give a guy that feeling or to give anyone that feeling, anyone, whether you, because also, um, I've, I've talked to two guys who said that they feel like they were too drunk to have sex and the girl was really f- pushy. 
And so, yeah, he, anyone. That's such a shitty feeling to wake up the next morning and be like, man, I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, now I have to process this. And so it's just like fucking okay to say no, first of all. And but give people the give people space to say no because yeah. they're probably really attracted to you. They probably really like making out, and then you keep fucking it up. And they're gonna by reaching for it. their pants, right? <laughs> Stop reaching for their pants when they <laughs> say no, right? You know, Jesus Christ! Or pay attention to the clues, the body language, even when mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Are they reacting like they're enjoying it? Mm-hmm. If not, maybe reassess. Yeah, that's where I, I worry if you w- want to pick up on either isolated, I guess. Like, it should, that's where I get worried. Like, I feel like there have been times when I maybe I acted like I enjoyed it. I don't know. It's so hard to remember. Right. Yeah. Because. You don't want to make it awkward and hurt their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. God, when I first started having sex, I feel like I'd never enjoyed it ever. No. Oh, my God. My first boyfriend that I lost my virginity to was the only person that I had sex with for a year. And I think back on what that sex was like and what I thought sex was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And talk about a time that I felt like I violated another person's consent was the first time I slept with someone that wasn't that person. And it happened to be their first time. Oh, really? I haven't had sex with a virgin. This is is the only one that I had. And I went into it with the understanding that I had of what sex looked like from this. Oh, this, what I later realized was very abusive first boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. And that poor guy was really thrown for a loop. Oh, no. What'd you do to him? (laughs) Choking him and stuff? Wait, no, 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 no. (laughs) You just go not that? Full send? No, no. I would love to share that story with you in detail. I'm not comfortable on the microphone sharing the explicit details of that encounter. Okay. Um, But... How did we get on the subject? Yeah, it was it was that first we were talking about what we used to think sex was yes. and how to react to it even. I mean, I yes. truly felt in that whole first relationship that I just had absolutely no control, absolutely no autonomy, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter if I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble for not enjoying it. Oh, my God. Eric. Oh, my God. I got yelled at because I started crying once. Oh, my God. It was so bad. But I thought that that was like I felt guilty after that experience. I was like, you're right. I shouldn't have cried. I'm sorry. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're so conditioned. I was so conditioned. Oh, yeah. That just <clears throat> that doesn't make me feel good for you. Thank you. It's been, I, you know, I confronted him. It was uh, like a a year and a half after we broke up. I wrote him a letter. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I realized how fucked up all that was. 
And his very initial response was via text message where he was very defensive. And then shortly after that, a couple of weeks later, we met up and he totally owned everything and began going to anger management classes and got into therapy. This was years after we broke up. And then he realized all that too and went and got a whole bunch of help. Yeah. Where did that come from for him that he thought? I don't know. And I wish so badly that I could somehow see the letter that I had written him because I worked with multiple counselors to write that letter. I was calling hotlines. I worked with therapists. I mean, like it was a production for me to find the right words to explain to him how he treated me in that relationship. I can't even, I, that, yeah, you're confronting. I mean, that sounds like assault to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There were multiple cases of assault and in that relationship. A serial assault. Oh yeah. That's sexual and non-sexual. I mean, he, oh yeah, there was, he was a violent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, my friend and I, who was there through all that met up over break over Christmas break and to rehash all these stories and just were like blown away by what I used to put up with and recalling certain nights and things that he had done. And mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I guess I must, I, whatever that letter said, I might, I must have found the right way to explain it to him in a context where he just realized it and mm-hmm. owned it. Not initially. Initially he was defensive in the moment. But in a matter of weeks, he came back around and then wanted to see me in person. And we talked about it. And he, my God, he was emotional. He just didn't realize. Well, I I mean, I feel so proud of you that you like wrote him that. Mm, Thank you. Because, (laughs) I mean, honestly, though, who I haven't written a letter to someone that I felt assaulted by. That's like scary as shit to me. I think and part of it was that I felt like he didn't fully realize because he was not an evil man, right? He didn't, he has love in his heart for people. And I think he did for me at the time too. I mean, I didn't, I think that he did ultimately love and care about me as a person, but didn't realize how damaging some of his behaviors were. Mm-hmm. I think he was kind of blinded by it. By his and, anger. Yeah, that's where I... If I could somehow articulate that you were 100% assaulted and have every right to what... If I feel like I want to go beat him up <laughs> for you. <laughs> but I still feel... I'm like so glad that you had an approach with him that he is not out... I hope he's not out doing this now or behaving that way. Like that's at least I hope that someone could listen to this conversation that we're having right now and not get defensive. If some, if you have violated someone's consent or you've been violated, I hope that you won't get defensive and you'll just listen and be like, I feel like people could leave my bed with a better experience. And I think that's what that one woman said on the podcast. Like, why would you not want someone to, you know, give you a five-star review? Yeah. <laughs> give me a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but 
I mean, if there was if there was a review every time you had sex that was like it's like Uber. Yeah. Like you should think about it that way. And one of the first questions was was it 100% consensual? Like on if you had to give a, a scale of consent on 1 to 5. You were looking for a five-star rating, dude, every yeah. time. Yeah. We need a five-star rating. And a five-star rating doesn't come from, <laughs> I think a guy hears that and they're like, oh yeah, five stars, because I'm going to come in there and fucking lay the pipe and <laughs> I'm going to be in control and yeah. she's going to love it. I'm going to, you know, and but that's not what it looks like necessarily. Yeah. That perfect, great sex yeah. isn't because you have mastered the art of masculinity and control. Yes. This that's what sensitivity. Be, that's what has to be dismantled. Yes. Is this fucking masculinity shit? Yeah. That whoever told you that, I don't give a shit if every dude or girl, whoever it is in your life says that you need to just take control and not give a shit about cues or only quote read verbal cues. Fuck all with that. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's telling you that because it's bullshit. There's a big difference between being with someone for two years and coming home and pushing up against the wall. Yeah. Then someone that you're just having sex with, someone that you're three months or less into a sexual relationship with and you don't know. And like we talked about earlier, building trust. They're like, fuck all with whatever you think masculinity looks like because that's not what trust looks like. Like, it's just not. Right. And I don't, and I don't think we have time today, but I, I wish, I want to find a way to talk to, to empower girls to say no, because I, I, but I don't know. Cause I've not been my own best advocate. No, I exactly. And it's, I, that's where the, the entire culture needs a shift because it's, while major strides will be made with men having better awareness about consent, I think as a woman, knowing that that culture is present and knowing that the guy that is maybe making me feel like I don't want to carry on whatever we're doing, knowing that it's in his vernacular and awareness that I might want to say no that I can would be able to say no and that if I say no then he's going to hear me say no and I only have to say it once and then it's going to stop like feeling that that space is there for me that you know the platform includes that concept is going to start to change the culture too 100% because like I said my, my best experiences with sex have been when they gave me the opportunity to say no mm-hmm. and honestly most times I didn't. Most times I was like, yeah, I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the the fact that they gave me the opportunity was like all I needed. Right. You're on the edge and you don't know. And then it's like, wow, well, yeah. Yeah. You, you get a little, you, you know, there's a, there's a point in your trust bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point in your five-star rating. Did he build trust? How many stars did he get? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 100% it's, it's you know, where w- him asking me. I remember there was this guy that I um, had been seeing for a couple of, couple, like, I don't know, like a month and a half or so. He made me wait forever. 
And I just was like, man, when are we going to do it? <laughs> and we had gotten close a few times and then didn't happen. And then when we finally did, <laughs> I mean, sorry to get too graphic, but he put on a condom and I was like, oh my, I was so ready. I was so like, oh my God, I've been, I had been like dreaming about it with this guy because he made me wait so long. Mm-hmm. And when we finally did, he put on a condom and then he, he was like almost about to. And he was like, do you want me inside you? And I was like, yes. And then he asked me like three or four more times. Mm. It was like this like playful thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, if you don't, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh. I could not have been more enthusiastic about it. That's a great example of a way to find consent. Yeah. In a way that is very sexy. Extremely. Extremely. I don't give a shit. Girls love foreplay. And I know guys think it's exhausting, but I'm telling you what, the more questions you got for me. (laughs) It's It's like, yes, 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 please. Uh huh. And if the mood it as is at all weird, I will answer you. I'll be like, mm, "Not ready, dude." Uh huh. And then you'll know. Yeah. And then we'll be good, and, and no one will good. leave fucking feeling weird. Exactly. Exactly. Watch the office and cuddle and sort it out another time. Yeah. What's the fucking rush? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And even I just want to step back a little bit. Of we were talking about. Um, giving the opportunity to say no. But I feel like as the culture shifts and change, which it already has, I just want to say we've come so fucking far. Yes. Like even when I had that experience a few years ago with the guy who kept asking, that was like when this it was pre me too, but still this like shift was happening culturally, right? Where people were becoming more aware. And, um, <clears throat> but in that culture, just knowing that I, I I will feel, I do feel now and I will feel like I will into the future, feel more comfortable introducing the no. Yes. Without even being prompted mm-hmm. for a yes or no. But introducing the no seems easier and more compatible when it's part of the national conversation in general. Yes. When you know that person is aware. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that it's just op- at least open for discussion. Yeah. That it's, yeah, that, that other girls are out there saying no, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I, <laughs> it's the new thing. Yeah, it's a new thing to like always say no. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. And I, and I think you're right. Boys are going to be afraid that that's the thing. Like, no. oh, all of a sudden, none of these girls want to have sex. And it's like, actually, no. we've been having uncomfortable, awkward pity sex for our, our entire lives because <laughs> you are a man child and your feelings yeah. are so fragile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's. I, it's funny because last night I I competed yesterday for a weightlifting meet, and uh, after the meet we had we got together with my coach and then two other coaches that have been in the game for a really long time. They're like in their seventies, and um, the one guy uh, uh, Tom Hurts he said, I was like, because he's he's this hard ass. He's such a fucking hard ass, and. I I asked him because he mentioned something about coaching women and how all of his athletes are women. And I said, what, how, what's your approach for coaching women versus coaching men? And he said, well, I got to be easier on the men. 
Oh, <laughs> and he's in his seventies. Uh huh. And he's like, men are fucking babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you have Tom Hurt saying it. So he used to be the president of the local LWC. So wow, yeah. So he thinks men are babies. Which, yeah, I mean, we stop fucking protecting anyone's ego. Right. Not just men. Anyone. Anyone. You don't need to worry about anyone's ego. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if, you, if you're if you happy and you feel like you weren't violated, then fuck all. Mm-hmm. Just fuck all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And anyone that had an expectation, they'll get over it. And the, the, I... I, what was I, where did I hear this? Cause, cause this got, I, I got into this conversation of, well, she invited me into her house and you know, who would invite me into their house if they didn't want to have sex? I'm like, get over your fucking expectations. Because if I invited you into my house, I don't know, maybe I just want to, do you know how hard it is to have like, to feel like I connected with you at fucking dinner with everyone else listening? Right. Or like, what if I just wanted to make out? Or what if I just wanted to cuddle? Or what if I just wanted to talk without fucking noise? Right. Just quit it with your expectations. Yeah. That's that's all. And 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 when when what this keeps winding back to, it's okay to ask. I had a guy ask me one time if he, if he could kiss me, and it wasn't not hot. Right. It wasn't. Right. He was just like, what? Well, it was something like. Would you be okay if I kissed you right now or something? And I was just like, fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Why does that not happen more often? Because one of two outcomes is going to happen. One, she's going to say yes, and then you get to kiss her. Or two, she's going to say no, and then you will have sidestepped kissing her maybe when she didn't want to be kissed. And she's going to value and appreciate the fact that you took the time to ask. Yeah. It's a win-win, yes. buddies. Yeah. And as we're talking about this, and as I talked about it earlier with the guy I met for a drink, I'm, this is, I'm literally realizing this as we talk. The more questions you ask, the more that's that's where you're building trust. Yeah, it's communication. Mm-hmm. The, like you cannot over communicate. Right. And and so I remember hearing. Do you remember when you were younger, or even now, and people are like, "The key to a good relationship is good communication." <laughs> but like, dude, did I not? I feel like I still don't have a uh, an understanding on that because it's so easy to be like, yeah. We have good communication, but like, do you? Hmm. A girl you're dating or a guy you're dating and you're on date three or four and you haven't had sex yet, are you good at communicating? Or is that just something you're saying? Because unless you're asking her if it's okay to fucking penetrate her, then you're not good at communicating. Well, or on the other end of that, if you're not okay, if you aren't good at being like, I don't want you to because I'm not. Right. Good at communicating that. Right. Based on results. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the results at hand here. We just have a graph of like all the time. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I was thinking beauty. about that. I almost bust out my list and brought it over. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see a percentage. Honestly, I, I considered looking because you know, I keep that little list in my, yeah. in my backpack. Yeah. I <laughs> in my it. secret pocket. Yes, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sounds awful uh, and I thought about running down that list or bringing it here and looking at it and 
and getting figuring out the consent scale Mm -hmm. and that thought became so overwhelming and stressful that I opted not to because I'm afraid to know what that number would look like yeah I thought about doing something similar I thought about you know because I have a list too yeah and then like being like yes or you know did did they get consent blah 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 and then making a graph and then I thought I I my mind went to in the podcast, and I, f- I hate that we keep referencing this podcast only because if you haven't listened to it, it might not make sense, but just go fucking listen to yeah, it. Yeah, you told them at the beginning. Um, she When she cries, when the girl mentions that uh, Raul assaulted her, and I, that's where my mind went to. I was like, I don't want to know. Yeah, because like I feel kind of fine about it now. I'm, obviously, we each have those few key experiences that are like the total other end of the spectrum right yeah um but all those in-betweens and gray areas like they just kind of live in the past now and they were shitty and partially non-consensual or on that gray dark scale and i don't know if i want to i think it would be so painful to reopen that and go back and look and then look at the percentage and be like holy shit Mm mm-hmm It'd be, I think it'd be worth it at some point because I mean, analyzing history is certainly going to, but yeah, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. Um, but if any of you are ready for that, (laughs) if you want to send me a message of like when, like a, like a ratio of when you feel, that would be interesting. Do you want to maybe do it together? Would that be easier? Do you want to try it? You and I, yeah, we should. Yeah. Like personally, yeah, off mic, off the mic, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We should. Let's just post our lists to Instagram. <laughs> we could put cute little green check marks or red X's next to their first and last names. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing what the what the feedback looks like from this podcast because, like I mentioned, I posted the six questions on Instagram, and then I um I only got you know maybe like three comments publicly. And then the rest were all private, which, like, which we were talking about earlier, it just makes it makes me realize how um, people are scared to talk about it, or people are scared that what other people might think of their opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really want to do, I really want to talk about this several times. Yeah, I think part of what makes it hard for people to talk about, and I didn't. I don't think I realized this earlier when we were talking about how it's so hard for people to talk about it, but, um, just shame there. I know that I feel this way. I'm sure I speak for a lot of women when I do that, um, in thinking about all those gray area situations where there was not necessarily full consent, but it's more like a coercion situation that I'm, I carry shame. And that's where I think it is still tolerable now to keep it in that space, that it isn't so scary and awful. And I think I've been assaulted dozens of times is because I carry a bit of shame to think, well, it was my fault for yes allowing the coercion to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people... It's challenging to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't... Yeah, everyone wants to be strong and... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, gonna, we're all supposed to be so good at doing ourselves or like... Do, yeah, Advocating for ourselves. Yeah. I remember for years, I always would say, I'm so grateful... Well, 
my first shitty boyfriend that I was talking about a little bit ago, mm-hmm. I would always say, I'm so grateful that happened because that will never happen to me again. I will never be in that situation again. Yep. I'm glad because now I know and I'll see it. That, that's not how it fucking happens. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a switch where suddenly I'm all knowing and strong and able to <laughs> defend myself in the face of someone who yep. starts to act that way. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I, oh God, all the times I've been like, all right, that was the last time. And I figured this all out. And then I didn't. No. I fucking didn't. Yeah. Because it's not real. Because it's easy when you're not in the moment. Yeah. You're like, next time that happens. I remember being literally, because I know for a fact it was fifth grade because I remember this friend and we were friends in fifth grade and I remember like the setting Mm -hmm. and we were just starting to learn about sex. We had that. Nope. Here I go. I know for a fact, but it was sixth grade. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know for 100%. (laughs) Okay. It was when we started taking that human growth and development class and they're talking about all the things. And, um, this friend, she was real tough, you know? Um, and she so we were in a group of girls sitting around and she was like, I don't understand how anybody ever gets raped because if I was in that situation, I would just bite his dick off. It's God. so simple. All the people that say that. I know. And she said, and at the time we're all like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh of yeah. Course. You just bite his just, dick off. Yeah. It's fine. Like it's, it's just, just so you're right. None of us are ever going to be sexually assaulted because it's so easy <laughs> to defend ourselves. <laughs> we have teeth and they have penises, but, but it's not like that. Yeah. It's not it's that not. simple when, it, when there's all the no. intricacies of emotion involved. And, you know, I think that when we're taught about non-consent, when we're younger, mm-hmm. when we're taught about rape, mm-hmm. it is only taught in the context of there's one day you're going to be walking down an alley yeah. and a tall man in a trench coat <laughs> that you've never seen in your life is going to snatch you up and violently rape you. And that's what rape looks like. And that's what non-consent looks like. Mm-hmm. There isn't any conversation around your buddy who's been your buddy for a long time that you love and care about and you don't want to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, any other number of gray area situations. Yeah. Like when I was, when I was raped, I, is someone that I've been on two dates with Mm -hmm. and, um, people want to, oh, you're a weightlifter. You're really strong. Okay. But no, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that fucking simple. Mm -hmm. He was very strong, very violent. And I felt fucking trapped. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not that simple. And no, I wasn't walking home and some guy jumped out of a bush. Okay, well, and if that happened to you, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not discounting that. Right. But that's not what a lot of rape looks like. It's Mm -hmm. someone you know, someone you trust who decides to impose their will. And you're like, the whole time, you're like, I trust this person or I thought I trust. I'm like, what do I do? Right. Just Like you said, they have dicks and we have teeth. (laughs) (laughs) No, No. it's not that simple. And I think as soon as we stop acting like it's that simple and as soon as we um, really start, I don't know. I just, I hope people can start talking a little bit more about this gray area. And that's what stuck, stuck out, stuck. That's what stuck stuck out to me so much about this podcast. I was like, I'm so proud of her for talking about this gray area Mm -hmm. and playing that, playing that tape and... Um, you know, having the actor and really playing out for the audience what that gray area looks like and letting people, what you know, 
roll back in their own mind being, man, I've been there too. And number one, just talk, let's just talk about those experiences and what we felt in those experiences. And then maybe we can talk about how they could have gotten better Mm -hmm. and then just go from there. And then just go from there. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about worrying about the men in our lives and wanting to protect men from being fearful about confronting times that they may have violated someone's consent. We're not out to put people on fucking trial. It's not like you need to be punished and go to jail now because of this time you did this thing. It's just about, and it's not, sometimes it's not, it's not even about returning to that person and having that conversation and revisiting. It's just identifying, realizing, Mm -hmm. carrying forward with that awareness and sensitivity. Yeah. I love what you just said. It's not about putting people on trial because it's not. And I would love for any, if any guy wants to reach out to me, I would appreciate that so much. If you want to reach out to me on Instagram, Norma Jean CC, uh, and talk about, you know, like wherever you feel on this, if you feel, you know, like you have it sorted out and you have a system, Mm -hmm. then tell me about your system. Or if you have a, um, or if you feel confused or, um, you know, maybe pressured by what, however you were raised or whatever masculine tendencies you have, I, you know, I'd love to hear about it and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to judge anyone. I'm not here to, like you said, I'm not here to put you on trial, uh, but hearing it from both sides and then, and then moving on. So, um, I want to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've been talking for two hours. Have we been talking for yeah. two hours? Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's not for um, like two hours. Yeah, I know. Um, but I want to do this again because I feel like there. I had this whole idea of like how this is going to go, which has gone so super well. But it's not really, so much more. There's so much so more much I want to talk to. Yeah, talk about. So I want. I want to give people like a cliffhanger. No, <laughs> yeah. um, I also don't know if people are going to listen to like four hours of a podcast. So, um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, if there's if there's anyone I would talk to about this, it'd be you because you're so open and you're so articulate. All my friends love you, and um, my, my roommate. And I tell you, the first time I ever met you was like she, she's like so well spoken. I just want to <laughs> speak like her. Oh, <laughs> you didn't tell me that, but she yeah. said that. Oh, that's she really said sweet. that every time you talk, she just listens up because you're just so well spoken. <sighs> Which is how I felt about you from the first time I met you. I was telling someone the other day about how I learned from you to over communicate in the sense that like, say we made plans and then you remember that time you made plans with someone and then you got obsessed with cleaning your fridge and then you told them you were like, oh, I got really into cleaning and I just can we reschedule? And yeah. I was like, you're so awesome for being <laughs> honest about just being like. I no disrespect, but like I'm really into cleaning my fridge right now. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I just find that it just feels better to be really blatantly honest. I think, honestly, you know where this comes from is when I was a kid, I lied a lot. (laughs) I was a big, fat, fucking liar kid. I lied all the time about all kinds of things Mm -hmm. to everybody. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so stressful when you yeah. get caught in a lie and then you have to lie to cover up a lie. And then yeah. you have to, and I'm not talking about like big serious yeah. things, you know, I was well, like yeah, a child, you, but yeah, it's you're just like, I was cleaning my fridge, but if you lied, you'd be like, Oh man, they're going to like know that I didn't go to oh, bed earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Or you cancel one thing. I know I double booked myself tonight. Actually, I made plans a week ago for tonight with a friend and I was oh. on my way here and they texted me and they <gasps> said, we still on for tonight. And I was like, and I just had to be straight up. I said, my friend asked me to do a podcast and I said, yes. And I forgot that you and I had plans yeah. and I double booked myself and I need yeah. to be better about that. And I apologize. Yeah. I did that recently. I think I did that to you. You did do that to me. Yeah. I did that to you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I fucking, Oh, I'm the worst. And yeah. I'm so sorry. But, but yeah, it was a non issue. Cause yeah. you just straight up. You're like, honest. Oh yeah. I double booked. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. What I wouldn't be understanding about what anyone wouldn't be understanding about if is if you're like, oh no, I'm too tired, and then you post on Instagram that you're hanging out with someone else or yeah. something, you know, yeah. any kind of lie. And that's the thing is you can smell it out. Yeah. Normally when someone's bullshitting you, mm-hmm. you can smell it out as opposed to like, um, or even if you're just like, man, I thought I'd want to hang today, but I really just like don't want to leave my couch and I love yeah. you, but like yeah. just not in the mood. I've been there and I'm so yeah. grateful. I feel like all my West Coast friends just vibe with that too, that some days I can be like, you know, I know we said we we're going to do this, but I'm just not feeling social today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the time it's because I'm sewing, not because I'm cleaning yeah. my fridge, but <laughs> sometimes it's because I'm cleaning but my I fridge. But pre- I've, I've like learned that from you. I've, I've, I've taken so many mental notes from you and on that sense of being like, man, Erica is just so good at communicating, like mm. over communicating, being like, you know what? Sorry, but and I'm like, man. I love that. There's no bullshit. No bullshit. Yeah. That's just my goal in life in general. Just no bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy, but we'll do it again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for everyone that's listening. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Norma Jean, C-C-N-O-R-M-A-J-E-N-C-C. That's probably where I'm going to be the most interactive as far as... um, private messages or anything like that that you want to discuss um i would really appreciate it if you left a review um i only know how to leave a review on itunes but um i would love this podcast to do well and that's one way it can do well so anyway thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week